Guess What is a show about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, the hopers, and those who have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit our Facebook page. This is Sasswood, a show about Bigfoot. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Matsky, and today I am standing on a hilltop in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, almost literally in the shadow of the UFO statue, and I am joined by my son, Andy. Hi. Hi. How was your day so far? Amazing and long, but I wish it would be longer. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be wishing it would be longer. Yes, and also Brandon Dalo from Small Town Monsters. How are you doing, sir? Good, how are you? Doing great. What's up? How's your day so far? Good, feeling good. Feeling uh, like what we've done so far is pretty good. It's a, It's been an easier process for some reason this time than previous shoots. Usually, you know, it's, it takes a couple hours per interview and everything, but we've already shot four interviews so far today, and it's just kind of breezing through. So I think the team, as we continue to grow, are get more and more efficient. So things are things are feeling good. That's awesome. Since you've been here now for a few hours anyway, yeah, yeah. is there anything about what you've seen or people that you've talked to that make you think all the Chestnut Ridge stories have something to them? Yeah, actually. Um, you know, when I was reading Stan Gordon's book, uh, Silent Invasion, there was a lot of instances in there where people were describing this baby crying sound coming from the woods. And it was interesting because we heard two people today describe that same sound, even though we hadn't brought that up. It was like, you know, their own volition, they brought that up. So that was really interesting. It was a kind of a validation that something's got to be going on around these parts. So that was that was cool. Yeah, nice. And speaking of Stan Gordon, we have Stan right here. Hi, Mark. Hi. Welcome to Scenic Kecksburg. Yes, indeed. My, that's something, uh, I got a text actually from Seth's mom today. And I told her the scenery here is gorgeous and that she should come over and see it. I mean, that's one of the things that's striking to a first-timer like me is just how rugged and beautiful this area is. Yes, it is. And if you get a nice high location, you'll be able to get a great view of the Chestnut Ridge from here. I think that's on the docket yet for today is a, is a good panoramic view. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, we thank you for giving of your time to be here for the shoot of uh, Invasion on Chestnut Ridge. Uh, Even as the Mothman movie is released to the general public today, we're here working on the next one. So uh, if you can, just talk a little bit about the Chestnut Ridge and and some of the, the, the strangeness maybe that's happened here recently because we've covered on on uh, other episodes actually some of the past stuff is there anything recently that you can talk about uh, well the chestnut ridge of course that mountainous range it goes from Preston County West Virginia through Westmore and in Indiana County the Westmore County side which is what we've been at all day around Derry outside of Lake Trobe it's historically very very active with all kind of strange reports I mean I started uncovering a lot of those cases going back in the 60s and it's been happening ever since. And we found out that um, it's been going on a lot earlier than that. I mean, the earliest first-hand account I have goes back to 1931 up in Fayette County. 
with a Bigfoot incident. Mm -hmm. And um, there's been many incidents since that time, and probably other cases before that time. But, um, yeah, it goes on year after year, and we get a lot of Bigfoot activity along the Fayette County side and the Westmoreland County side of the ridge. Last year you had some really significant Bigfoot sightings up in Fayette County again. That one uh, that my associate researcher Jim Brown investigated May 10th last year was outside of Fairchance on that very rural mountainous road, and it was a really foggy, rainy night, and they're riding down the road when this seven-foot-tall Bigfoot comes down the left side of the bankment and stops about 20 feet in front of the car right in the middle of the road, and they're staring there looking at it and just looking at them. And after a short time, they pull that car back, and then they slowly pulled forward, and they actually made contact with it. And the thing turned around and put his hands right on the front of the car, and then it backed up and turned around and walked down and off into the woods. Wow. And uh, there have been some other significant reports all around here. Um, down around the area, they call West Newton, Lober. That's the, another part of Westmoreland County. There's been a lot of history of, of Bigfoot sightings down there going back to the 60s. Late 60s, they had what they called the Lober Monster. And that was a seven, eight-foot-tall, hairy man-like creature with white hair they were seeing and finding large tracks down there. But there have been numerous sightings around there ever since, including last year. And um, so it goes on and on. And you get all kind of reports, not just UFO sightings and Bigfoot, but you get the mystery booms and you get um, Thunderbird sightings and the Black Panther reports and other weird creature reports and just all kind of weird phenomena goes on year after year. And it's January this year, we were getting reports of, again, strange screams and howls up on the ridge. And we were also getting reports down in eastern Pennsylvania at the same time. And uh, something's going on out there. I mean, you get so many reports. I mean, just in the last two days now, I've, I've picked up some interesting uh, cryptid cases that I'll be looking into. One happened yesterday, actually, I understand, in southern Pennsylvania. And not ready to talk about it yet, but it right. sounds pretty interesting. And uh, hopefully we'll have more to bring out to the public at some point. Nice. Now, in this region, when people find tracks, are, is there a trend towards three toes or five toes? Is it a mix? Or what do you usually find around here? Historically, there's been a lot of your typical five-toed tracks mm -hmm. in the 70s during all the Bigfoot wave of 73 and 74. And, and periodically since that time, you're getting the three-toed tracks. That's another part of this whole mystery. You know, I have a new program I just uh, did recently after the uh, Bigfoot adventure they had up in Fayette County. Mm -hmm. And I presented for the first time. And it brings out the strange aspects of the elusive Bigfoot because I uncovered some very, very strange aspects of the Bigfoot phenomenon that a lot of people don't know about or they'd rather pretend that they haven't heard about, which suggests more and more that we're dealing with something that may not be physical, physical mm -hmm. flesh and blood, but for a lack of a better term, may be interdimensional, something from another reality that comes into our physical reality under certain conditions, looks physically solid, leaves evidence, and then it's gone which is why we never have any bodies. And, of course, in the documentary that we'll be working on, we'll be talking about some of those very strange cases we uncovered uh, so many years ago. But it's not just in Pennsylvania. It's around the country. I've been in touch with many Bigfoot researchers around the country and out of the country, and they find the five-toed tracks and the three-toed tracks. And a lot of people don't know, but in, in the Pacific Northwest and California, there's, there's been a history of them finding different type of tracks. And this is one of the things I bring up because I'm showing an assortment of some of the different footprints and tracks we've had in Pennsylvania. Yeah, we've had hoax tracks. They're, we can tell. Mm -hmm. These do not appear to be hoax tracks. And some of them, while similar, then you've got this category of other tracks that are 
very strange and unusual. Just think about it. It'd be unusual enough to have one unknown specimen running out there for so many years. Mm -hmm. But how could you have a five-toed, a four-toed, a three-toed? Then you've got the ponchant tracks, like the ape tracks, right. where you have the, uh, the toe off to the side. And we're getting more, we've had reports like that more and more in more recent years. Uh, and then there's a significant other, of other even weirder tracks. It just doesn't make any sense, unless there's a common denominator here that we just don't understand yet. Mm -hmm. I've said years ago, the phenomenon is so strange it protects itself, because who's going to believe it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Andy, do you have any questions you want to ask while we've got time? All right, well. I love how Kecksburg is so small. I'll say that much. <laughs> I love how it's just this. And then um, during the latest interview, they said it was built up, and that made me la not laugh, not, but I thought it was a good point because it's built up yet it's so small and I really enjoyed that. It's a very nice rural area, it's a mountainous area, there's farmlands here. If we were at a little higher location you could see the beautiful Chestnut Ridge going all the way paralleling in the distance around there. And this is Mount Pleasant Township. So yes it's famous for Kecksburg, however there have been multitudes over the years, before Kecksburg, since Kecksburg, of, of UFO sightings, strange creature reports of Bigfoot encounters, Black Panther sightings. So there's been all kind of weird stuff all through this area that many people have seen. And it's not just the fact that, well, the Kecksburg incident happened here. Well, it did. But there's also many other areas around here where we've had significant reports as well. And, of course, one of those areas is along the Chestnut Ridge. And then you've got even act other activity going up a little higher up. In the mountain, going towards the Laurel Ridge, you've got a lot of activity up there. And it goes on as you go into other counties up in the mountains, you get more and more reports. Mm -hmm. But the Chestnut Ridge, for whatever reason, is year after year active with strange re incidents. Mm -hmm. now, you still maintain your hotline, correct? Yeah, it's been open since 1969. Yeah. It never stops ringing. That's amazing. I mean, almost every day reports come in. Now, some of them are older reports, unreported cases from last year, the year before, mm -hmm. some older than that. I get a lot of inquiries from, from kids and people doing term papers from, from reporters, um, and a lot of people just want to ask information. But I got a lot of current reports, too. So it never ends. It's, it's very busy. Between the emails I get and the phone calls, I'm extremely busy, which is why I'm not on any of the social media, because I just don't have time. <laughs> no, that's right. You wouldn't have time. Um, do you get, an, how, many, like, how many reports do you get that are from people who maybe have held on to a sighting that they've had for a long time, and they finally feel like they need to tell somebody before it's too late? Very common. Very common. I get people that call very very often mm -hmm. and I'm in touch with several people right now that I know I'll be doing follow-up interviews in the next few days and uh, yeah some of these were like uh, one case was significant to happen out of state but it happened last year which involves UFOs and Bigfoot mm -hmm. and it's another case where uh, without getting into great detail right now where the person was always skeptical of a lot of this stuff but a, a number of people at the campsite encountered strange orbs of light and Bigfoot at the same time. And this is something we're hearing more and more about. Mm -hmm. I've been writing about this for years, and in more, again, in more recent years, a lot of Bigfoot investigators now out in areas where there's a lot of history of Bigfoot, and they're out there searching for Bigfoot, and they're encountering strange objects or strange lights mm -hmm. at low level they cannot explain.
Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. We've heard the same thing as well. Just in local presentations that we've been yeah. a part of. Yeah. Um, well, what's interesting is, you know, 30, 40 years ago when I was writing about these things, a lot of people, I, I didn't really have a lot of ridicule, but a lot of people just didn't know what to deal with. Mm -hmm. And then over the years, yeah, a lot of people in general just made fun because they figured, it, you know, there's no way that this could be related to UFOs or whatever. And, and the point I keep trying to make on radio shows is, I am not suggesting that Bigfoot is an alien from a spacecraft from another world because we don't know for sure what those UFOs represent. Right. You know, are some extraterrestrial or some interdimensional? Are they from another reality? Are they time travelers? Are they unknown natural phenomena? We don't have the answers. So there's a lot of mystery here. Mm -hmm. But the fact is there are well-documented cases, not only in Pennsylvania, but all around the country and around the world where People have seen UFOs or strange lights in conjunction with Bigfoot sightings and sometimes with other cryptids. Yeah. Now, we'll be able to post this particular episode pretty quickly. So if you'd like to uh, talk about where are some of the places that you'll be doing presentations over the next month or so, or maybe two months. <laughs> I, I can just tell you there's a lot of events that have already happened. There's a lot of events still scheduled. Uh, if they go to my website, stangordon.info, and they go under upcoming 2017 events, and also there's a page there for 2017 posters. There's some posters on there, some upcoming events I can look at as well. I'll be posting more as the months go on. I think I'm on up there through July or August, but there's all kind of stuff being developed. There's all kind of big events being planned in Pennsylvania, and I'll be at uh, uh, a, a number of other events uh, around the country and around Pennsylvania over the next uh, several months, so there's a lot coming up. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for helping out Small Town Monsters with this documentary. We're so excited to not only get the footage here, but then work on the editing process and writing the film and the narration and so forth. So your contribution to that is huge, and we thank you very much. Well, you know, it's always been my goal since I was in high school to educate the public on these types of events, to make them aware that there are things out there we don't have an explanation for. And yet, after all these years, 58 years almost later, I've been out in the field, I've never seen a UFO or Bigfoot myself. Wow. Right. I've seen a lot of evidence. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Stan, thanks for your time today. Thanks for uh, the interview. Yep, you bet. We are back home at this point and reliving our Chestnut Ridge experiences. It seems like that trip lasted a lot longer than Friday into Saturday. It seemed like it lasted four days because it pretty much, I was up about four days for me. Because <laughs> I'm not normally up 24 hours. It was about four days. It was at least three days because... Friday, I was up like 18 hours. So, so just to so, be yeah. completely repetitive and summarizing, we were able to go as part of the Small Town Monsters shoot on principal photography for Invasion on Chestnut Ridge. And we did that just this past weekend, a couple days ago. And we were Yesterday. reliving that with uh, my wife, your mom, and going through the slideshow of photographs and so forth. And 
thought it might be a good time for us to represent some of our memories from the trip for you and give you our general impressions of the whole region that we were in. So anywhere you want to start on that, we can just sort of start. freestyle on it. Okay, so freestyle. What was your spoiler-free impression of the area? Spoiler-free, I don't know what you would spoil about anything, but what is your general impression of that part of Pennsylvania and the Chestnut Ridge area of where we were? Okay, well, first of all, for those who may not know, the Chestnut Ridge area is part of a larger region referred to generally as the Laurel Highlands, which you'll find essentially southeast of Pittsburgh and uh, fairly close to southeast of Pittsburgh. I mean, no more than 20 minutes to 30 minutes, and you're in a portion of that. It's a fairly large region, but uh, you can get there fairly easily and simply. My initial impression of it has to begin with the fact that it is naturally beautiful. I mean, it's breathtaking in places. And what we were there for was obviously the Chestnut Ridge. And once you, once you kind of get alongside of that, there's just this interesting sensation that it's kind of always there, sort of looming. But not in, I never got a weird vibe with it, really, or an uncomfortable feeling. It always was just sort of naturally beautiful and something very attractive. And people who are native to that region told us that uh, it was unusually clear while we were there. So we were not only able to see the Chestnut Ridge itself very clearly, but also at some higher elevations, uh, we were told that we could see all the way south into Maryland, which I was kind of amazed by. So my initial impressions were it's just a naturally gorgeous area, and I would like to go back there as soon as possible. How about you? I agree with that 100%. Um the natural beauty is amazing there with the Laurel Highlands. It's just, it's a beautiful place. And just why, how you're talking about once you get southeast of Pittsburgh, it's just amazing how it just changes, the geography changes to like these big rolling hills. That's really once you get into Pennsylvania in general, if you're going the turnpike like we did, it's like these rolling hills and it's, it's amazing just how beautiful it is. And I never like I never really got a creepy vibe while we were there. Um there was a few times I was a little creeped out, but we were out at midnight filming creepy things. So, um I the one moment that blew my mind is when you first see the ridge when you're coming through Westmoreland County. It's just amazing. How it's just, it's there. And then there's one point where you're going down and like the ridge is getting higher. It's amazing. So of the locations that we went to, were there any that were particularly memorable for you? Um, one that stands out is where we stayed. Um, we stayed at this farmhouse and there's this big ridge behind it. And when we were up on the ridge, it was beautiful. Because you go, you have to walk up this big hill, and being able to have 
that hill be worth it because you turn around in this beautiful vistas there. I really enjoyed that. And I also enjoyed, um, for a few of the interviews, they were at another, at the other location, you could see you were up on a hill and you looked down the hill and it's farmland. And then the farmland stops and it turn, turns into the chestnut ridge. And I really enjoyed that. I That was probably one of the most, like, you get up there and you're like, wow. So. So when this episode started, we were in Kecksburg. That was the initial mm-hmm. interview and the information that I was gleaning from Stan Gordon. What was it like for you to be in Kecksburg, knowing the history and all of that? What Anything spring to mind regarding the Kecksburg incident? Kecksburg is very interesting because, believe it or not, it's smaller than Falk. Like, the size of things you can do there is smaller than Falk. Um, and that sound, for anyone who's been to Falk, you might laugh and go, yeah, right. I'm serious. There's, what, one bar? And that's, like, the only thing there except for the fire station and then of course there's the um the ufo memorial that's there and that's that's amazing to see because while we were we were there it's on a hill it goes up on a hill and then there's like the platform where it is and there were really just like kids playing there and like it was normal to them and that's amazing to me (laughs) me Gesundheit. Um, the, uh, yeah, there were one little girl that was there kept calling it the giant acorn. Yeah, it's just the giant acorn. It's not the UFO. It's the giant acorn. I think the thumbnail image for this episode is going to be the, uh, that picture of us with, uh, the Kecksburg crash, uh, object. So, um, Oh, I wanted to tell a story real quick about Stan. Speaking of Kecksburg, you know, when you're on a movie shoot like this, there is quite a bit of downtime if you're not involved with actually getting the shots, which I'm usually not. So Stan and I were kind of standing around talking about a whole variety of things, cases and so forth. And he was describing the uh, Kecksburg UFO um, event that they have in Kecksburg annually. That's coming up at the end of July, if you're interested and able to go. Um, my advice would be get there early because that tiny town absolutely fills up with people. Uh, so it's wall-to-wall people, and uh, there's probably nothing that rivals that each year in the little town. But he said to me, just sort of in passing, uh, something about the UFO gift shop. And I was like, what did you just say? UFO gift shop? And so sure enough, uh, down in uh, their sort of their town recreation hall, which people were on one side of it, I think, getting ready for a wedding reception. On the other side of that is a bar. And within the bar, there is a gift shop, which is really no more than a storage closet with a... Um, cash register and a glass case, but 
stay there you know stan and i walk up to this bar and he's clearly been there numerous times before thank goodness because i probably would have bailed out because when you go up to this bar entrance there's like a keypad and you have to buzz in and stuff and i probably would have just been like ah see you later but stan knew what he was doing so he presses the buzzer and the people let him in and we stood around for a little bit and then uh, the bartender said you know kind of looks at Stan, and, and Stan says, is the UFO shop open? They said, oh, yeah, it's unlocked. So we walked over there into the corner and looked in, and like I said, I mean, it was no more than a closet, really, but on one wall, there were all manner of uh, laminated news clippings regarding the Kecksburg crash and uh, the festival as well, and then sort of their line of sweatshirts and T-shirts and then just little nutsy stuff like keychains and postcards. All of Stan's books were available, which made <laughs> me smile. And artwork that people have done. And Stan told me, you know, it looks pretty bare right now because they're placing all their orders for more souvenirs and so forth for the festival coming up at the end of July. So that was really cool because I would have had no idea that there was even such a thing. And I didn't get any pictures of it because it all happened super fast and I was just trying to absorb it all. But that's one of the cool little side trip memories that I'll take with me during the filming of Invasion. I'm was... glad I know where you went now because I didn't know where you went. I was on, there was like a creek that goes through this, like this area where we were and I was on the other side of it the whole time. So I'm glad I know where you went now. That's one of those intangible little memories that, being part of Small Town Monsters has created, you know, they're bumming around Kecksburg with Stan Gordon and going into the UFO gift shop. I mean, it's like, I don't know. That, the, these are the things that uh, STM is made of for me. How about you? Do you have any little anecdotal oh, stories that you wanted to share? One that's just, oh, wow, there's a lot to choose from. There's a lot that are longer. But um, the fact that while you were doing that, we were across the street saving minnows from a little uh, pond that was going to dry up because there's like this puddle and there's minnows in it. And to entertain minnows, us, really? they're not minnows. Um, what would they be? Tadpoles. tadpoles? There okay. were a bunch of tadpoles in there. And um, Jason had a water bottle and was trying to save them. So. That was fun. I knew you were with Stan the whole time, so <laughs> right. I wasn't that worried. Um, Kecksburg, it's just, um, Kecksburg's so small, yet it feels, it's open, which is weird. It's small, but it's open. You can see everything, so, except where you were. I could see everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, I can see them, now they're gone. <laughs> yeah. um, something that was cool, that's just sort of like a short story that's kind of cool, is Saturday morning, uh, our second day there, we wake up, um, after breakfast and everything, me and Brandon head up the hill, and it was our first time up the hill, I think we were the first crew members up the hill, and it was just kind of cool, because we went up there, and Seth said he wanted a drone from the top of the hill, so we stayed up there for a little bit, and it was just beautiful to see everything, that there's a beautiful vista, um, we've already said all this, but, um, and we just sat up there on the hill and talked, and it was really cool. It was really cool to be up there and see everything. And then 
watch the people on the road go like 80 miles an hour down the road and be yeah. like, those people are going way too fast. Yeah. Then there'd be the occasional big pickup truck, which is actually going the speed limit. So, Yes, yeah, Sam, who is sort of the uh, overseer of the property, told us numerous stories about wrecks that have happened oh, on that great. stretch. Like basically all of the telephone poles along there are fairly <laughs> new. It's really scary. Because on the you weekends, can... that place blows up with uh, motorcyclists and, like Andy said, people just... See, there's a, there was a re- ski resort nearby called Seven Springs, and I think people just leave Seven Springs and floor it and just go down the hill. Gotta get out of here. Yeah. Um, so that you had to really kind of watch yourself. If you're ever at Seven Springs, they have good pizza. So find the pizza shop. Okay, so one thing that Seth and I were talking about in terms of the story was that really the ridge itself is almost like the central character because the stories that you hear coming out of that region are so weird and diverse that that's the one thing that holds it all together is actually just the location. And so the Chestnut Ridge sort of is the star and sort of like the... um, the physical description that you are giving of how pretty it is and so forth is sort of the, the switcheroo because here's this wonderful place that you just want to sort of sit and take in and super strange things can happen to people um, at given times, you know, and that's, if you've taken a look at Stan Gordon's book, Silent Invasion, you can see how specific that can become as far as a window or a flap. One other thing I wanted to mention, because uh, he put it out there on Facebook, so I think it's fine to talk about, is that we finally got the opportunity to meet Eric Altman, which was really cool. We have talked to him on various podcasts, both this one and uh, his own, Beyond the Edge Radio. But this was our first face-to-face meeting with Eric, and it was a lot of fun. It was really good to see him and talk to him about where he's at in terms of Bigfoot research and what keeps people in this field of endeavor. After, like, you're talking about, like, talking with him on here and being on Beyond the Edge, it's great to meet him and, like, talk with him about the area we're in and have him be like, yeah, that creepy story I told during the interview happened three miles down the road. And you're like... No way. Because that's the way... The thing with the Chestnut Ridge area is everything is spread out, yet it's not far. I mean, you have to travel like 15 minutes to get from place to place. But it's interesting how... I was talking to you on the way home um, yesterday, and I was saying, I don't know if this is a skeptical point or a true point, like a saying it's real, but everything's so spread out there. It's weird. Because, like, Greensburg happened here. Greensburg's here. And stuff happened there. And Ohio piles down here. Yet everything happened all over the place. And I can't, I can't honestly say if that's a good thing or if that's a bad thing. I, th- I think it's a good thing. But it's not like there's, with Minerva, there's clearly, like, one creature for the most part. And, like, the Caton's case. And with Boggy Creek, there seems to be maybe one or two. There's definitely a family since it's been so long, but there seems to be one creature. 
But with this, it's so spread out, I don't think it can be like one thing. So, And just in the descriptions of things, it mm-hmm. seems pretty clear that it's not just one or a small group. I do have a quick story I want to say, and it's really cool. It's talking about like modern phenomenon that's been happening in the area. Sure. Before we go, though, from Eric Altman, I just wanted to say he knocked it out of the park with his interview. Fantastic. And, of course, that's all I feel like I can say at this point, but he really gave us some excellent material. So, okay, modern case. The thing is, it's not... I guess it is a case. So we were up on... Film after filming an interview on a property, and we were with the owner, and she mentioned how she had horses, and she mentioned how she wasn't safe having her horses out at night because of the panthers. And I'm like, what? She, I think she might have said that to Brandon or someone. I was like, panthers, huh? I'm like, what color are they? And she's like, black. And some I've seen one that was like brown. And there's also tan. And I'm like, these people right here are scared about a creature. And like honestly scared, and they have reason to be scared, about a creature that science says doesn't exist. I mean, this lady was concerned, and this lady was smart. She wasn't any crazy person. And she saw something that was brown, that was looked like a feline. And she's talking about black panthers and how she has had like neighbors and friends talk about seeing them. And I think I may, I'm pretty sure she's talked about how the person she saw that saw them saw two. It's like the classic two black... I mean, it's crazy. And this stuff is happening constantly. I mean, the stu- the sightings and the rate of sightings of all mysterious creatures and like UFOs there has definitely gone down, but there's no way it's stopped. There's no way stuff like that has stopped. I mean, it's clearly still happening, which is crazy. And Stan was talking about recent stuff that was like developing stuff. That's big, and this is like right now. And I'm sure if you went there in six months, there'd be another big thing, whether it's still the cats or if it's something new. I mean, it's crazy. Like with the cats, I mean, it's affecting their lives in terms of they're taking practical steps Mm -hmm. to ensure that their animals are kept safe because they're convinced that these things are there and they could be a threat. There has to be big cats up there. I mean... Whether they're interdimensional cats or whether they're real panthers or like cougars. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that that you made me flash back to Cabela's. Yeah, there. we have a long story there. Whether they're <laughs> cougars or whatever, um, like where we stayed, they've reported hearing big cats. Right, right. And it's it's crazy, it's crazy. I mean, if you want, if you're in Ohio, like Eastern Ohio. And you want to go somewhere that's weird and you don't feel like going down to Fout, go to the Chestnut Ridge area. Go to Westmoreland and Fayette County and you will thank me because it's, it's beautiful 
and that was sounded really weird to me, but it's beautiful. <laughs> and if you can get in and like meet up with some researcher like Stan, so he'll tell you where to go. It's crazy. And something to be honest, I never got I might have, I might be contradicting myself on this episode, but I never got a weird vibe while I was there. I got creeped out, but I never got a weird vibe. But truthfully, I don't think we were ever in the right place to get a weird vibe. But there's definitely a strange vibe to that place. I wouldn't say weird, but strange. I wouldn't say a synonym, but I'd say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I'd say the difference I'm trying to make is I never felt like, this really weird feeling, and I never felt like super creeped out, but there's definitely something there. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. And once again, I was reminded that there's no substitute for getting out, going somewhere. You know, it's one thing to read books about these places, and I, of course, would highly recommend always doing that so that you actually are conversant with people when you show up. But there's no substitute for having your own shoes yes. on that earth and looking around with your own eyes and seeing what it's like and being able to think for yourself, you know, think through the plausibilities. You know, is it possible? Does this seem like a place that could conceal um, large creatures or is this a place that's conducive to seeing aerial phenomenon or all those things? And it certainly does seem like a place where um, the potential for unusual, weird, wild things happening is pretty high. Because while there's a lot of development, um, there's certainly lots of untouched land that's still there. And uh, I don't know, something about that ridge is super attractive. And I think that's an idea that I'm going to be playing around with for sometime yes <laughs> yes <laughs> anything else um like you said there's nothing like putting your boots on the ground if you're if you're close to somewhere where weird things have happened regardless of when or like if it's modern or if it's a classic case just go out there and look i mean we've gone to places like presque isle in erie pennsylvania and being there and going, is this where the things happened? There's, there's no feeling like that when you're researching, and it's a great feeling. So go out there. Stop listening to this and go out there. Or listen to this on your way out there. Or just stop. <laughs> well, bring your computer out. Bring your laptop. Right. So I think that's probably going to be it for a while of us doing like a Chestnut Ridge-themed episode, because I don't want to be... I thought you were talking about in general. Super, like, super self-indulgent. I don't want it to come off as, as that at all, but I did want to share with our listeners, with you, a little bit of what it was like for us to be involved with this particular shoot. And I think one of the takeaways for it, for me, is that we want to go back just to be there again. And the thing that's great is that it's not that far from us, so we could turn that into a weekend getaway or something. So uh, that, And I think, you know, it's interesting that that tends to happen. I think if if we were able to swing it, that we would go back to Falk, we would definitely do that. 
through some any way we could get back to Fout, I'd do it. Yeah, you know, and Seth talks about if he could buy a house in the Adirondacks and be close to Whitehall, he would do that out there on Bear Road. There's something about these places that beyond the uh, the stories, beyond the folklore and the sightings, these are just places that um, are welcoming and are are great to be. Just, you know, surround yourself in those areas. So the the release date tentatively, I think, at this point for Invasion on Chestnut Ridge is October 20th, 2017. We will keep you updated on that as well as any promotional events that may be taking place in and around the release date. Speaking of events, I think we should mention at this point, because it's going to be here fairly quickly, that in July... We will be presenting at Willoughby Hills Public Library on July 5th and 6th, beginning at 6 p.m. each night at Willoughby Hills. First night is going to be presentations, and the second night is going to be the viewing of the movie Boggy Creek Monster, if I'm not mistaken. And, of course, we'll be taking Q&A with Mr. Seth Breedlove of Small Town Monsters. So, Come on out and join us for that. It sounds like it's going to be fairly well attended, which is uh, keeping track with the prior appearance at Willoughby Hills Public Library. I can't thank them enough for the interest that they've shown in the program. It seems like every time we show up there, they're talking about the podcast. So that is very cool. Andy, if people want to get in touch with us, how would they go about doing that? Well, like I said earlier, we are on Facebook. You could visit our Facebook page. Um, and we also, you could send us a letter at sasswapmail at gmail.com. And <laughs> you could also find us on Twitter at sasswapshow. That's the way you can reach us. You could also reach out and touch us at the library presentation. That'd be really weird. Not in a weird way. Maybe a handshake would be Maybe a handshake. You could shake our hands at the Fist bump, but uh, yeah. What is a show about Bigfoot sass? What is a show about Bigfoot sass? What is a show about Bigfoot, also known as Sasquatch? What? And welcome to Sasquatch, a show about Bigfoot. Home of the skeptics, the believers, (laughs) the knowers, the hopers, and those who just have a casual interest in the subject. I am one of your hosts, Mark Matsky, and I am joined by my other co-host. Joined by my other co-host, Mark Matsky. I'm actually Andy. Hi, and good night. <laughs> Sasquatch is a show about Bigfoot. You've been listening to it just right now. Sasquatch is a show about Bigfoot. Go Cavs! Yeah. <laughs>
I made this. Do the normal intro. Oh, okay. The normal one. <laughs> for some reason, I couldn't think of it's recorded for the skeptics. The it's recorded for. <clears throat> so I said that's why I said the home too. Okay, let's do this. <laughs>